0: Learn more at marines.com.
1: Okay, uh, moving forward uh, into kind of the season that we're going to be uh, having soon here. um, Looking at the expectations um, and how they have come to be, um, given the fact that there's going to be testing and um, just the unknown protocols are going to be in place. uh, What's kind of your sense and feeling of, you know, what the uh, projections might be for uh, the season for anybody in the uh, Big Ten this year?
0: Well, if you look at across the landscape, you know, at the time you and I are recording this, about 18% of college football games so far have been canceled or postponed. But the vast majority of them have been for contact tracing, more so than um, an abundance of positive tests. There have been a few, you know, Notre Dame uh, had a game they had to postpone because of too many positive tests. Uh, There have been a couple other games where a position group got wiped out to the point that they couldn't play. But when you are seeing stories of, of waves of players sitting out, that's not positive testing. That's contact tracing. And I think the Big Ten has, in the system it's set up, has, has some good news and some bad news. I'll start with the good news. The antigen-style testing that they have is going to be very reminiscent of the NFL. And, and, and that's a daily rapid-fire test. So that what's happening in these, in these other conferences right now is they're testing two or three times a week or maybe for a non-Power 5 league once a week. And if you test positive, they have to go back and contact trace all of your steps since your last negative test. Well, this time of year, the vast majority of, of people that these players are going to be in contact with are other players. And so that's why you're seeing, you know, a, a bunch of offensive linemen, tight ends, because you're with your position group. The Big Ten is going to be doing this daily, and that's going to not require, if you have a positive test, uh, you know, scads of players that get set out for contact tracing because you're not retracing two or uh, four or a week's worth of steps. It's just 24 hours. So that's the good news. I, I don't think we're going to see waves of canceled or postponed games in the Big Ten uh, because of that. And I'm, I'm probably not as worried about the You can only have 5% of your team test positive before you're shut down for a week. That's about five players. You know, I I, I mean, I follow Michigan's situation pretty closely, obviously. I mean, Michigan's positive test rate since the 1st of June has been 1.5%. We have a couple teams in our league. Ohio State shut down for a bit. Rutgers has been shut down. Uh, Michigan State shut down. Uh, I I think we'll have a a team or two that will have to shut down. We'll lose a game or two here or there. But I don't think even the 5% positive thing will be as much of an issue as people are making it out to be, because I think you're going to see a lot of these programs live in, in a glorified or virtual bubble within the program. What I think is the bad news is the if, if you have a positive test, you have to sit out for 21 days. That's twice the length of time of a CDC, the, the current CDC guidelines. And, I mean, just look at a situation like Ohio State, you know, if Justin Fields tests positive, with you know, Thanksgiving weekend. Tank your season. His, there's, I mean, there's season's tanked. He's done for the rest of the regular season, like through the Big Ten Championship game, and if they were to make it there. You yeah, know,
1: I and mean, the market for error right now is so slim. I mean, yeah. taking a week off, you know, or three weeks. I mean, yeah. your season's over. It's, yeah, it's done. I,
0: I think so it's a positive test in the middle of – at the beginning of the year, middle of the year, that's half a season basically. Um, so I, I think that's the thing that's far more punitive. I would think of, in, if, if Iowa didn't have whatever that was with the, the, with, with the racial issue in the offseason, this would be a perfect season for a program like that. Uh, a veteran coaching staff, veteran head coach, an embedded identity, um, a proven culture of, that, that people are used to and conform to. You have a top medical school right there on campus that this would kind of fit into, you know, a, a season where maybe culture overcomes uh, us, some other personnel or talent advantages. And Iowa still may have that culture. We don't know. But I, but here's what we don't know. We, we don't know if it's where it was 12 months ago. That we don't know. When the season gets going, we'll find out. You know, if, and, and, but I, I, I can't say right now that, I know what the answer to that is. Um, I could see the team rally around what happened and say, hey, you know, we're going to come together as a team. I I could see some early adversity split the team apart. I could see it having been a distraction because whatever you think of them, you lost an award-winning strength and conditioning coach. Um, I just think that's an unknown. But if if it weren't for that issue, this would be the kind of season that a strong culture program like an Iowa could absolutely take advantage of
1: yeah and, and you go back to the contact tracing I mean, you, uh, wisconsin they had the 34 players and that's pretty mm-hmm. much what that had to be i mean it cannot be that they had 34 and
0: that's if you want to know the truth i think that's probably the biggest reason why we're not starting until october the 24th yeah. is you had wisconsin one of our premier programs and and they shut down for a while i think that's part of it too not every team every team was permitted to go on practicing but not every team did you know michigan and ohio state did i would i would assume penn state did but Wisconsin did not, and several other programs didn't do that. And I think those are probably the ones you saw this at Oklahoma, for example, when it looked like maybe the Big 12 was teetering uh, a couple of months ago, and Oklahoma sent their kids home for a week. And when they left campus, they had zero positive tests. When they came back, they had nine. You know, And so you, you take away that structure of that environment, um, and, and you're not being tested every day, and you're not being um, – the, the discipline and the peer pressure of a positive variety. Hey, don't let the team down. You take those things away. And and I think what'll be interesting going into the season is if some teams get off to disappointing starts, um, do we see guys just opt out? Cause I don't want to take these stupid tests Absolutely. every day. Yep. I'm tired of being away from my girlfriend. I want to go home. I want to see my family. We're not going anywhere anyway. Do we see that kind of a thing or not? Meaning that once we get our season goals are off the table. Now this year, that looks like the NCAA is going to let anybody go to a bowl game with any record that a bowl wants to invite. And and I'm actually for it. I think given the uncertainty of this year, I'm you know how difficult it was just getting the sport off the ground. I don't have a problem at all. I mean, if there are some big programs that are like, we don't want to go to some flea bag bowl and. Some school that typically wouldn't get to go gets that television showcase. God bless them for going. Certainly you know, right. It's a one-off year, so I don't have a problem with doing one-off things.
1: Yeah, for As far as like the odds makers for you know rankings for all the teams, we've already seen uh, the uh, SEC – and well, not the SEC yet, but the uh, uh, Big 12 um, kind of lackluster performances there for some of their teams. It kind of feels like the entire year for everybody, uh, not just the Big Ten. The Big Ten is certainly going to be at a disadvantage because we're starting later. And with a lot of these teams being out, not having that preparation to fully get themselves up to speed. Um, Michigan, obviously, didn't ever shut down, so they were able to continue uh, mm-hmm. full, full pads. But Iowa just got back into full pads this, uh, uh, this week, actually. Um, kind of seems like it'd be difficult to put a number on anybody outside of, well, your, your big name brand uh, uh, football teams. But
0: I would be very hesitant you know, domestic sportsbooks have not put out win totals for college games this year. There's some some offshore places you can do it. And I went and looked at some of those odds before the Big Ten came back and put out some best bets uh, on my Patreon page. But I would not recommend doing it for the Big Ten or the Pac-12. I'll probably put some out when those get closer to But if you were to ask me, I wouldn't put my money on it because those are going to be leagues with no flexibility in the schedule every single week. Um, and if you lose that game, then, you know, that's one less game for margin that you have with those win totals. I think projecting those things are very difficult. I think I, I also think no one's going to go undefeated. Uh, I think maybe even everybody other than Alabama, Clemson, and depending on what happens with, you know, Ohio State, everybody else has a couple of losses because there's a couple of factors to think about here. They're, they're, the, the, the non-conference games are gone. You know, the SEC always plays that game where they play a bunch of FCS teams the week before rivalry weekend in November. They're not going to be able to do that. The wear and tear of every week you're playing good on good and against only power conference competition. And, you know, Kansas obviously is terrible. Uh, you know, Rutgers isn't very good. Kansas, well, I mentioned Kansas, but B- Vanderbilt's not very good. But, you know, beyond that, you're, I mean, look at what happened to Alabama against Missouri the other night. So, That would have been a typical SEC opener. Alabama's backups would have played a lot of action. You know, Alabama would have played one Power 5 team in the non-conference, would have played two others that they would have just named the score against. Their backups, who are all highly recruited, too, would have gotten a lot of game action and probably closed the game out against Missouri with an easy cover. Instead, what happens is Missouri gets a couple of cheesy backdoor cover touchdowns Alabama's backups, the young quarterback who didn't have a spring ball or anything like that but was the number one quarterback in the country, looked like a kid playing his very first game and fumbling snaps and throwing picks. See, there, there's, there's no opportunity this year for you to get your backups um, some seasoning. There's there's no opportunity for you to just, well, this week we're going to just kind of play some guys. Maybe each team ha- each league has one team like that in their league, but they don't have three or four of them. And so every other week, you're going to be playing good on good. and the, the pounding, the wear and tear of that. You know, you look at the schedule that the Big Ten gave Nebraska. Those were all teams that were on their schedule anyway. But to open up with three of your first four games are Wisconsin, Ohio State, and Penn State. Those are everybody's consensus top three teams in the league. And Northwestern, even when they suck, play a very physical brand of football. They're no slouches. So that's where injuries could compound you. Um, I, I think depth is going to matter a lot this year. I, I think if you have, if you are a team that has a lot of recruiting depth, um, I think you have an advantage, particularly in the Big Ten with no bye weeks.
1: Yeah, it almost seems like you know, look at
0: backup quarterbacks. Yeah, you know, um, who are who? Do you have a backup quarterback that you think you could win a game or two with? Almost like an NFL team does. All right, if you don't, if you're not sure. You might be in trouble because this is a year where, with testing and a compilation, uh, uh, the the compounding of injuries with week (laughs) after week after week, you 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 are going to need to know if do I have a backup quarterback that can win me a game this week? If that, it's kind of a hard
1: decision to make too, whether you seclude him or you bring him on to uh, you know play him at the same time, just to be you know roll the dice because you got to get that
0: guy the reps to be ready at the exact same time. Yeah, and as a coach, do you do you do you say hey? you know, we're going to split this up to account for COVID. But are you concerned if you do that, you dilute the reps and, and, and the teaching aspect of practice? And so you're like, you know what, screw that. We'll do the masks, the social distancing, all the precautions. But I still have away. to call a fo- coach, a football team, let the chips fall where they may. I mean, I don't know. And I'm glad I'm not the one that has to make those decisions.
1: <laughs> no, it's, it's, it almost feels like an advantage, though, uh, to, to a certain degree, because even those teams that have to go on the road um, to prominent opponents – with all the uncertainty, it kind of feels like, well, maybe it's an advantage. The disadvantage becomes an advantage to mm-hmm. where maybe you can exploit it. If you're a better prepared team, if you're, you know, executing, you know, perfectly or at least better than the other team, you know, goes to the what, Here's what
0: I can tell you so far is, is in the last 10 years through week, the first four weeks of the college football season, typically home favorites cover about 54% of the time. Right now they're covering 41% of the time. So that home field advantage has been clearly diluted by the lack of fans. And I think the other thing, too, is the idea of, um, you know, a momentous comeback. I don't know that we're going to see a lot of those, well, at least at home, because the opportunity, and our league is adamant there won't be any fans in the stands all season long, no matter what happens. Well, I mean, if you're down 21-0 at home, and think about some of these games that are now going to be played in like December, all right, and it's outside, man, and it's 30 degrees, 25 degrees, 20 degrees. You're down 21 to and nothing. And there's no fans. 12 man. Day. It might as well. It's going to feel like it's 50 to nothing, right? Yep. Okay. Tough to get momentum and everything going, and to, and to get the other team feeling like, oh no, I can I can palpably feel as if momentum in the stadium has swung. I I don't know. You're going to see a lot of those kinds of situations.
1: Well, it's going to be definitely a test, and it's going to be interesting to see, just because. Throughout the past, you've had the whiteout, you've had the big yep. house. You know, the the fans do make a difference in during pivotal moments. I mean, not having those fans there, that's uh, that's going to be interesting. Do you think that there could be any possibility of them changing that? Um, yes. So, I mean, certainly your favorite game of the maybe sports favorite game of the entire year. I,
0: I, here's what I think, and I'll just leave. I'll I'll make this statement and I'll just leave it at that. I think after the election, people are probably going to be reassessing a lot of things on the COVID front, and I will just leave it at that.
1: Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I guess last last thing here. Uh, if you had to give an, uh, a prediction or just a, an outside uh, throwing of a dart, how do you think just knowing what you know today, how do you think Iowa will do this year?
0: Well... One thing we've seen under Kirk Ferentz is he excels with first-year starting quarterbacks, and you know this is something John Miller and I used to argue about for years. <laughs> but they they seem to not they seem to get worse, or the team doesn't get like Ricky Stanzi was a better quarterback when he left than obviously when he started. Absolutely. But the team's record his final year, despite the numbers he put up, did not reflect that. Okay, so whether it's their record or their statistics. I mean, you can argue about injuries and stuff with Drew Tate. There is no question he was a better quarterback in 2004 than he was in 2006. Well, in with the Northwestern hit. So this staff does very well getting first-year starting quarterbacks prepped and ready to go. Now, this is different than past years. No spring, um, no real offseason, a lot of Zoom. Um, I love Iowa's skill, position, talent. Uh, My power ratings have it. Have them uh, the best collection of skill players uh, in the division. Minnesota very closely behind, yeah. uh, you know, with Bateman returning. Yeah. Uh, Ray, you know, Ibrahim is a good back. And I think p- people are kind of sleeping hot on him a little bit for Minnesota. They return pretty much that entire offensive line. So, I mean, I could see Ibrahim being a 1,000-yard rusher. Uh, well, maybe not in an eight game schedule, but something close, you know, that, that would would the, uh, the equivalent of that in an eight game schedule, especially with the amount of respect you've got to show Minnesota's weapons on the outside. And given the rebuilding they have to do on defense, like they lost their top seven tacklers, they're going to need to probably score yeah. a lot of points, I would imagine. Uh, so I think this is one of the better uh, assortments of skill, position, talent that Iowa has had in a while. I can't remember the last time, probably never since I've been doing college football previews and in my own individual unit ratings, I have Iowa's wide receivers rated ahead of Michigan's. <laughs> I don't know that I've ever done that. Not even like when Rich Rod was there and we went three and nine. <laughs> okay. So I think that Spencer Petrus, it is Petrus, correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He, Because I've heard it pronounced multiple different ways. I think he is stepping into a really good situation. I have Iowa's offensive line right now. Not, there's several offensive lines in of the league that I think are really strong. Ohio State's, Minnesota's. They would all be top ten in the country. I've got Iowa right now narrowly number one in the league. So he is walking into a situation where you could not ask for a better situation as a first-year starting quarterback. All right, You have a typically strong, stout Iowa offensive line, but atypically explosive athletes on the perimeter. And you know they're going to find a tight end somewhere. So he it, it, he's going to have to try to suck. All right, yeah. He's going to have to try to suck. Um, I actually think they have a few more questions defensively, but it's also from you know the the two the second Norm and Al Phil Parker.
1: They always get that, that the identity the of that,
0: that, that side of the ball is so well established yeah. that. Uh, and then even if it instead of a seventeen point a game off defense, it's a twenty one or twenty four point a game off defense. I think this is probably the year that you might have the skill position talent to
1: overcome to one.
0: overcome some of that a, a little bit and have more of a margin for error. So uh, there's a. Uh, now I will tell you though, in terms of depth, that uh, my my ratings of, of depth have Iowa one of the, the 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 shallowest teams in the conference. There's been a, so the front line guys are really good, uh, depth wise. Not a team that can take a lot of injuries. I don't think.
1: Well, that's what's kind of concerning me with the short, you know, practice yeah. leading up to.
0: And I said a few minutes ago, I think yeah. depth's going to be a big thing. Now, that doesn't mean you're locked in to get guaranteed to have injuries, okay? But you gotta... um, So I think it's... There's a lot to like about Iowa. They're gonna be underrated going in. Um, There's a lot to like about Iowa. What what scares me off is just a giant unknown. We we have not really seen a program have the national um, focus and... Um, spotlight on such a hot button issue yep. as as what happened to Iowa, and I I just I'm not close enough to the program, and I don't know that anyone knows here. If I'm an Iowa fan, I am heartened by the fact I don't know anything, <laughs> because that means nobody's talking, nobody's bitching and moaning, nobody's leaking anything, nobody's tweeting. You know what I'm saying? Yep, yep. No news is Gary good news. If I'm an Iowa fan, I want radio silence. Because that means they're handling their business there, you know, inside Fort Kinnick. Um, I, so I take that as a positive. You know, right now, my power ratings have Wisconsin a slight nudge ahead of Iowa overall, but it's really close between those two. So I think that's just the big thing for me with Iowa in making a forecast is how does, where, where's the leadership in chemistry on this team I don't. I can't think of a team in our league that has ever faced a distraction like this, and it just so flies in the face of how Iowa typically operates and does business under Kirk Ferentz that it's just tough for me to to project, you know, how they're going to yeah, respond no. to
1: it. Well, one last follow-up question, uh, just because it's on my mind and, and a lot of uh, Iowans and Big Ten fans in general. If Iowa, I'll take them as an example since they may win the uh, the West. If they're able to secure Uh, The season and get to that uh, Big Ten championship. What are the odds that two Big Ten teams could potentially get into uh, the college playoff? I mean, I know it would take Iowa. I would have to go undefeated, most likely, and then lose uh, potentially to Ohio State or Penn State, whoever's uh, in the East. But do you foresee as long as there's no other delays in in games or postponements that two Big Ten teams could potentially get into the college?
0: Here's what I think. Whoever wins the SEC is going to get in. Clemson, if it wins the ACC or has a law or has fewer than two losses, I believe is going to get in. Well, I shouldn't say that. If it has two losses and doesn't win the ACC, it may not get in. Okay. So whoever wins the SEC will get in. Clemson, if it wins the ACC, will get in no matter what its record is. I, so I, I think those two spots are probably accounted for. After that, though, I don't know because there aren't any non-conference games, so we don't have a lot of. A lot of our strength of schedule and power ratings and things of that nature and strength of record and all those analytics that I love and the committee uses, it's all incestuous now because it's it's all against your own league. Yeah. So I think this is going to be the most subjective. And this has already been a highly subjective process to begin with. I think it's going to be even more subjective than it normally is. And 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 we do I think two Big Ten teams could get in? Yeah. Do I think there could be no big take Big Ten teams? Yeah. I mean, if the Big Ten champion wins the league with a five and two record. And and you know, there's a second team out of the SEC that that played ten games and went seven and three. Yeah. What do you do? I, I I don't know the I Glad I'm not on the committee. <laughs> we got we got I, I I sat down to do usually I do a mock AP poll every yeah. week.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I sat down to do one Sunday night putting the Big Ten and Pac twelve back in there. I couldn't do it, man. I got, I got, I, I came up with a top ten, and then after that, I kind of, I, I tapped out and I said, I don't, I don't know how I would, how I would do that. Where do you rank teams that aren't going to play for three more weeks? You know what I'm saying? Where do you, where do you put them? Well, yeah. it's going
1: to be a lot of that eye test. It's, it's, it's going to be a which lot of that. That's all which subjective. It's, yes. it's, it's not too bad to have Gary Barta in that uh, selection committee uh, to help kind of pitch. Well, for him. I'll
0: leave you with this. <laughs> I'll leave you this. I remember when I used to be on KXNO and, and we went through that dry spell where Iowa and Iowa State could not make the NCAA tournament, okay? And, and Bob Bolsby, who has done a phenomenal job steering the Big 12 ship as commissioner during this COVID crisis. And he was the chairman of the selection committee that year. And I know you're supposed to leave when they talk about your team. Iowa got in that year an at-large bid with a 7-9 and Big 10 record. <laughs> yeah, they beat Michigan State on Friday in the yep. Big 10 tournament, but they yep. had a 7-9 and Big 10 record. Iowa State got in, okay? They were a bubble team. You and I, Northern Iowa, didn't win the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament, got an at-large bid. Somehow, it just so happened. And by the way, where where was Bob the AD before he came to Iowa? You and I. It just so happened that we went from getting no teams in several
1: years in a row to when Bob (laughs) was
0: running the committee, we got all three teams in with at-large bids. Maybe that was just a coincidence.
1: Bob gets stuff done.
0: But Bob does get stuff done. So. You know, Gary Barta has shown nowhere near that level of acumen in his time at <laughs> Iowa. But you know what? There's no for Gary Barta. There's nowhere to go but uh, up.
1: Yeah. Well, hey, uh, I really appreciate uh, you uh, giving uh, Hawkeye Nation the uh, the good feels from the old days um, coming on, and uh, hope to have you back again if you're uh, if you're able to. You
0: bet. I'm sure we'll do this again, brother. Congrats. I'm happy for you. Appreciate it. Right, take care. You, you bet.